Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Man, it is good to have you with us today. Um, Whether you are in person or whether you are online, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, You know, I think I have encountered a little bit more about what uh, Middle Tennessee is all about when it comes to weather. Um, My grandfather used to say, if you don't like the weather, just wait. And that is so true of Middle Tennessee, you know. Uh, A week ago, we kind of got the, I think, winter out of our system, I hope. Um, And now it's like 60-degree weather, amazing. So if you're watching online and you're still cold, I'm sorry. Um, I'll enjoy it for you. Um, I'll do that on your behalf. Uh, But it is good to have everyone together today, to have the church together, singing songs, praising the Lord, uh, fellowshipping, seeing each other's faces, Um, It is awesome. It's awesome to see life in the midst of a church. Um, You know, we we call ourselves real life around here, and I love that. I I cannot get away from wrestling with what that name means for us. And every time I think about it, I see uh, what I call the two faces of real life. One of them is a dark face. A dark face because life can look rough. It uh, It can be hard. I mean, I mean, you know better than I do. But the other face of real life is, is light. It's bright. It's like Christy read the scripture today. Um, we, we're not called to settle for the dark side of real life. We are called to live into the light that God wants to pour into our lives. And so I'm excited that uh, the darkness is not the end of the story for us. Hey, um, tonight we have group life uh, happening over at First Church, uh, last week was the first week of that, and I know that uh, the weather was a little uh, crazy. So if you were planning on coming out and you didn't, let me just remind you, tonight at, at uh, First Church, lots of groups, both for adults and kids. Uh, our teen group will be meeting here tonight with a panel of adults. I'm so excited about this. Last week, we had a panel of college students. And those college students from MTSU and Treveca and Olivet Nazarene University, they uh, answered the questions that the students uh, had, had pulled together beforehand. Some great questions. This week, uh, tonight, we're going to be talking with some adults and seeing what kind of perspective they might be able to offer us. Um, and then next week, I'm so excited, we have a panel of senior adults that are going to speak life into our, uh, our young people. So I am so excited about that. But tonight... Um, there's some great groups. Be a part of them. I cannot, okay, segue. This is not my message. This is a freebie. Um, you need to be a part of, an, a, of a group of people who are walking life together. They're studying the word together. They're praying together. They are holding each other accountable. And, uh, and, and, and group life is, is, is us offering you those opportunities. Some of you might say, well, I don't need group life. This is what I have found. P- 
people don't need small groups until they need them. And at that point, they struggle because they feel like they haven't laid the foundation, the foundational relationships in order to jump into a group in a time of struggle. So you might say, I, man, I don't need that. As your pastor, let me say, you are absolutely wrong. I will argue that one till I am blue in the face. You need people to journey with you through life. And uh, some of you are like, well, I don't want to be all like transparent and I don't want to be all gushy. Groups aren't always like that. But groups are this. They are people who have a kindred spirit, if you will. They want Jesus more than anything else and they're going to help each other along that journey. So group life tonight, be there or be square. Thank you. But group participation, I appreciate that. Grab your Bibles. Uh, Mark chapter 31. Actually, no. <laughs> I don't think there are 31 chapters in Mark. Mark 3. Mark 3, 31. Hey, Chris. Uh, Mark 3, 31 uh, four through 4, 9 is where we're going to be. Uh, I love spring, and um, I, 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 is this spring in Tennessee? No. <laughs> this is winter to you all, isn't it? Because it's cold. Um, to me, this, is, this just smacks of spring. It feels like spring. It smells like spring. To me, this is spring. And in Michigan, we were surrounded by farm fields. Farm fields everywhere, as far as you could see. And in the spring, there was something that would happen that would catch my attention. But it wasn't one of those like big blaring things that would catch my attention. It was one of those moments when, when you're just kind of going about life and you ca something catches your attention out of the corner and you have to stop and take a second look to see if, in fact, it is what you thought it was. See, as soon as the tractors are able to get out into the fields, they begin turning over the soil and they begin um, preparing the soil for, uh, for planting. And huge machinery uh, would be involved in this. And it was, I love the process of watching the preparation take place. At some point, uh, those big machines would transfer from, uh, from, from cultivating machines to planting machines. And they would, technology, I don't know how they do this, but they would plant perfectly one seed after another in long, endless rows of, of, of crops. <clears throat> and at that point, the, the tractors kind of stop, and it looks like nothing's happening. But, but if, you, if you know the science of farming, you know that something's going on under the surface. You know that those seeds are, are being affected in just the right way. They are being encouraged to um, reach upwards and break through this barrier uh, to a, a whole new chapter of their life. <clears throat> and that thing that would catch my attention was this slight hint of green that would cover the ground. 
And, and seriously, you had to look to make sure that is what you were seeing. But there it would. You would see plant after plant after plant create just this slight green haze over the ground. It was as though the seeds had all communicated and in unison they had burst forth from their captivity underground and they began reaching for the sky. All sorts of different crops. One of my favorite crops is corn. As it reaches to the heavens, this long stalk that just reaches to the heavens and bears fruit, all stemming from a little seed. This morning's passage is going to be a familiar one to many of you. But let me read. In fact, I want to start um, in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to skip over the first three verses. So Mark chapter 4, I hope I'm not throwing too big of a wrench in. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Uh, sounds like Tennessee. Uh, the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, they grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. This is the word of God for us today. Oh, we, we find ourselves in this season of Lent. It's a season of, of preparation. We've talked about fasting for the last few weeks. It's a season of removing something from our life whose absence causes us to evaluate our desperation for it compared to our desperation for God. There have been times uh, I've given up. Um, I hope this doesn't make me um, someone that you're going to want to just kind of cast aside, but I, I've given up sweet tea for Lent. I know, collective sigh. Um, I have given up sweet tea, and there have been plenty of times where I have, this last two weeks, wanted to just go get a sweet tea. It's like my comfort drink. It's that thing when I'm going to be doing mindless work, and I just want to sip on something cold and, and refreshing. Sweet tea is, is my thing. It's my mojo. And... Um, in those moments where I have said, I just want to go get a tea, the immediate thought has been, do I really need that tea as much as I need Jesus? And I, I realize in those moments, no, I need Jesus a whole lot more than I need sweet tea. Is anything wrong with sweet tea? No, it's great, except it's going to add all sorts of things to your body. Um, but... In those moments when we find ourselves longing for that thing that we've given up, we need to ask ourselves, do I long for Jesus that way? So it's the season of, of fasting. It's the season of preparation. And Pastor Chrissy reminded us last week, in the midst of our fasting, we cannot forget to be a part of feasting. 
Jesus and the religious leaders got into this time and time and time again. The religious leaders wanted to know why the disciples of Jesus weren't fasting when everyone else was. What gave them the right to feast when they should be fasting? Jesus boldly responded by asking them whether people are to fast or feast when the bridegroom is present. If you've been following us through our reading of the New Testament, you know that John is just John's gospel is just riddled with examples of Jesus arguing with uh, the religious leaders. And his point to them was this, why would someone fast when the bridegroom is there? It would be like going to a wedding reception afterwards and you see everyone sitting at their tables with this gloom look on their face, fasting in the midst of a party. That doesn't happen. No, there's all sorts of good food. There's great beverages. There's things and fun that we can all be a part of. We don't fast when the bridegroom is there. In the midst of Lent, we need to fast and we need to feast, but we need to understand why we do both of them. We need to put them in their place. And the answer for both is the very same thing. The reason we fast and the reason we feast is because God has become Lord of our life and that completely reorients everything about us. So we want to fast to make room in our lives for the things of God. We want to feast to be able to celebrate the things of God that have kind of worked their way into our lives, and we get to celebrate that together. As we turn to our scripture for today, we catch a glimpse of God. In the farmer, we see one who is working to bring new life, to bring fruit where there wasn't any. Seeds are being scattered in hopes that they will take root, and there is more to this narrative than I think we often give it credit for. Preparation. Much of the usual focus of this passage of scripture is on the casting of seeds, the planting of seeds. But any good farmer knows that you just don't go out and cast seeds without trying to prepare the soil, without removing the debris, without pulling out the rocks. My grandfather was a farmer and we had a rock pile at the farm and we kept adding to that year after year after year. There were so many rocks there. I told grandpa we should sell them. He never did. But farmers understand that preparation is necessary. And so as we think about this passage of scripture, we have to consider how is it that maybe this farmer who is now spreading the seeds, what had he done beforehand to get the ground ready? As we think about this kind of preparation, um, I want us to consider what it, does it look like for God to prepare us to receive the seeds that he wants to place into our lives. The things that God wants to deposit in us, the seeds that are intended to bring fruit and life and vibrancy to our life. God wants to plant the good news in our lives so that the darkness can be rooted out, the brokenness can be mended, the despair can be given hope. These are the things that God wants to put in our lives. And we need to understand this. God is preparing you. It's not always a fun task. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. But God is preparing you for an eternity-changing encounter. Not just once, but God wants to prepare you for this every single day so that you might be encountering God at every moment of your life. This life with God is too important just to 
hope it catches. God doesn't just show up unannounced. God gets us ready. Now we may not understand what is going on uh, as the handiwork of God at the time, but as we look back, we can see all the ways that God was working in our life to prepare us for the things that are coming down the pike. The focus of this passage is still on the one who is doing the planting. It's talking about the farmer who's doing something. The farmer is extravagant in the way he plants the seeds. He scatters them across all sorts of soil, hoping that they will take root, knowing that maybe, just maybe, they will take root better in some soil, knowing, I mean, he's God, right? He is the one who planted the Garden of Eden. He understands what it takes, and he knows that some are going to receive the seeds of God in our lives better than others. But I am so glad that God is willing to take a chance on even the rocky soil, the thorny soil, the shallow soil. I am so thankful that God took a chance on me. And I'm glad that God is in the habit of taking chances on you, every single one of you in this room and online. God is willing to take a chance. And that is good news for us. Some of us may seem ready to encounter God. All the, all the signs point to being ready to receive God. For others, there may be some questions in our lives. Am I really ready to encounter the God of the universe? The good news for all of us is this. God gets you ready. God gets you ready so that you can say yes. We should also pay attention to the amount of seed cast across the soil. The farmer wasn't cautious. The farmer could be described by some as actually being wasteful. Why waste your seed on the soil that's just not going to produce anything, God? God is generous, far more generous than you and I even have the ability to comprehend. And this God, this generous God, not only does he sow uh, of someone else's resources, no, God has the resources to back up his generosity. Our struggle is this. Do we have a mindset that is oriented to the things of God? Are, Are we attuned to hear the things of God? Do we understand when it is that we have caught a glimpse of God? Are we tuned that way? Mary, the one who anointed the feet of Jesus, was also accused of this um, this, uh, abundant generosity. The disciples questioned why the oil that she used to anoint Jesus' feet wasn't sold and the money used to take care of the poor. I mean, they were being practical, right? Jesus corrected them and said, no, what this woman has done is right. And in those moments, we see that Jesus is willing to be extravagantly generous, even to a fault in some of our minds. I want to worship the kind of God who is willing to take chances on me who is willing to 
waste his resources on me. All because he sees something in me that has potential. Even after years of preparation, some soil doesn't show too much promise. Yet God still casts the seed in that direction. A smart farmer might say that seed will only be planted on promising soil. I'm going to maximize my return on investment. But aren't you glad that God took a chance on you? And that God is still taking chances on you. No matter where you find yourself, God is still taking chances on you. Let's pay attention to the abundant grace of God given to us by the Holy Spirit. I heard a definition once about grace. Grace uh, is getting what you don't deserve while not getting what you do deserve. That's a pretty good definition. Notice that you are not the one at the center of grace. God is. God is the one who is pouring out grace into your life. And he is also the one who is empowering you to give grace to those who are driving you nuts. Those family members, those neighbors, those, uh, you know, whoever it may be, God is at the center. You might say, well, I don't have what it takes to offer grace. And I would say, you are exactly right. Way to go. You got that one right because God is the one who wants to use you as a conduit of grace in the lives of others. For those who have been reading with us through the New Testament, you know we find ourselves drawing close to the end of our Gospels, the four, first four books of the New Testament. As we have read through John's Gospel, we have found John dealing more with the Sabbath than any of the other three authors. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus is very clear. The Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. This was a point that he was making because the religious leaders were trying to just kind of push them into following the law to observe the Sabbath. And there were times when Jesus had to heal someone on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders got all over him and said, how dare you work on the Sabbath? Jesus says, you guys don't get it. I think the technical theological term is you are a bunch of boneheads. That's right. And so Jesus is wanting them to recognize that the reason for the Sabbath was in order to provide healing and restoration in people's lives. That people would receive rest and renewal on the Sabbath to be formed and, and recreated by God. Lent is that time when we reflect on the grace that is at work in our lives to sustain us for the journey of faith that we are on. Fasting isn't something we do to convince God that we are serious. That would make this faith all about the things that we do. And that's not grace. Rather, Lent was made for us, not us for Lent. So as your pastors, as we are encouraging you to find rhythms of fasting in your life, it's not that we're trying to get you to jump through a hoop so that God can really be convinced of your sincerity. No, we just recognize that in the midst of fasting, God can do something in us. That God has a more difficult time doing 
when our lives are so cluttered by chaos. Notice in our scripture today, the soil never did anything to get ready for the seed. The soil let the farmer remove the debris, add some compost and some nutrients to to rotate the crops and so on. The soil's job was to receive the seed, whether it was good soil or not, and then to allow that seed to do what it was created to do. Some of the seed didn't stick in some of the soil. You bet the farmer didn't give up. Farmers of anyone know what hard work means and how they have to have the long vision for what is going to happen. Just like God doesn't give up on you when you don't get it. This doesn't give us uh, an excuse to abuse God's grace in our lives. Well, you know, God's going to forgive me anyways. So I might as well just go do whatever I want to do because God will forgive me. And That's abusing the grace of God. We should want to receive the grace of God and allow it to take up root in the soil of our lives so that it will grow and bear fruit. You may not realize it. You may have forgotten it. But the seed that God has scattered in your direction is still working in your life. And like the the farmers who look at the crops that they have planted and they don't see anything, They just know that that seed is at work underground. The conditions are right. The seed's doing the thing. And at some point, it will pop out from the ground. And it will begin to show a new sense of life about it. The seed is an amazing example of what some call the already not yet kingdom. Um, like, like the kingdom of God, the seeds, they have been planted. They're there. They, they're, they're doing their thing, but they haven't done it to their fullest. And for you and for I, we need to understand that we are participants in this already and not yet kingdom where we have encountered God. God is up to some things in our lives, but it's nowhere near what it's going to be. And under the right conditions, the grace of God wants to do a mighty work in you to the point that people will start noticing things. They might catch it out of the corner of their eye and they'll have to stop and say, did I really see what I think I just saw? Much like I would do when the green began to emerge from the ground. People need a people who are willing to let seeds bear fruit in their life. One of the things that we need to do is we need to allow those seeds full permission to do what they do best. We don't have to figure out what God is doing as much as we just need to let God do it. There are times in our lives where we struggle, and maybe, maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe those of you online, maybe some of you in this room, you, you are struggling with your concept of God. Uh, for maybe various reasons, you struggle to even believe that God exists. You think that this is a big old fairy tale 
You're just not sure that you have bought into that. And can I just say this? God is still working on you. You don't have to give God permission for him to give you grace. You don't have to give God permission for that. That comes because of the generosity of God. The God who has the resources to do in you more than you would ever hope for or imagine. You can't come up with this stuff. But God, the God is at work. So whether it's our fasting or whether it's fe our feasting, we recognize that we do all of this because God is at work in our lives. One of the things I love about Lent uh, is that we fast, right? And we, uh, we, we give up something for the duration. But one of the things that oftentimes is forgotten that I like to highlight is this. Sunday is always a feast day. You know what that means for me today? Sweet tea. I'm getting me some sweet tea. And you know what I'm going to do as I drink that? I'm going to be reminded of the goodness of God. The goodness of God that I can celebrate. Not because I'm drinking sweet tea, but because our God is generous to a fault. In every moment of our lives, God can be seen turning the soil over. I think that's painful at times. We see God removing debris from our lives. And sometimes that is painful. I once knew a man who uh, shared about one of the prayers he prayed for his children. And he would pray, Lord, if any of my kids' friends intend to be a detriment to the growth of my children and their love for you, would you remove them from their life? And I said, wow, that's a pretty bold prayer. He said, you know what, though? It works. He shared about a friend that his daughter had, and she was fine, but, but there just was something that every time that his daughter went over to her house just made him uncomfortable. He couldn't put his finger on it, but he just knew something was off, and he just prayed that prayer. Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but if there's something here that will prove to be a detriment to my daughter... Please, would you remove it from, from her life? Later that semester, that friend came to his daughter and said, you know what? My dad got transferred. We're moving. And this guy came back to me and said, can you believe it? He was so excited. But can I just say this? Let's not celebrate so much in the pain that sometimes that can happen when debris is removed. Let's recognize that there's a God, a farmer, 
who wants to tend to your life. He wants to take care of you so that you can be fertile soil. God wants to, to, to do the things that need to be done to get us ready. This isn't always peaceful. Rarely is it comfortable, but it is good. And it is this process that leads to new life. What have you caught a glimpse of God doing in your life recently? You might say, Pastor, I, I haven't seen anything. Do you know what to look for? Do you know what to listen for? Have you spent time in the word of God enough to be able to recognize, oh, that's something God would do. Oh, that sounds a whole lot like God. One of the best ways to, uh, to fix your vision is to allow the word of God to become your vision. So maybe you don't know what to look for. Maybe you're not sure what to look for. Maybe, maybe you're just writing God off at this point in your life and you just don't even want to acknowledge that God might be up to something in your life. But maybe you are one who has caught the glimpses of God. What does that thing that God is doing in you require of you? What is that appropriate response to what God is doing? What is the appropriate response uh, when seed is germinating in you and it is you know, stretching to, upwards to the, to the soil to break through? What is your response to be? Can I suggest something to you? An appropriate response to God is always always surrender. It's always yielding. It's always giving over to God everything that God has asked for because we know that in the hands of God, our life is worth much more than our life outside the hands of God. You know, every single one of you, you know full well people whose lives are a wreck right now. Do you believe that God is still at work there? I do. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I also know this, that sometimes it gets to be really difficult. Helping people, counseling them, caring for them, journeying through the mess with them. I get it. But when you do it, when you trudge through the muck of life, with your friends and family and coworkers and neighbors, know this. God has been at work in this situation far longer than you've been aware of it. Allow God to use you as bearers of peace. You are being invited into a sacred invitation. This Lenten season, you are being invited into a sacred invitation to partner with God, to let God be God in your life. And as we allow God to do that, 
I'm crazy enough to believe that families get changed. That communities start looking differently. That political systems begin to sound more like Jesus and less like us. I see love become the order of the day. I see the kingdom of God bear fruit. So this morning, how will you respond to the farmer who's been up to something in your life and has deposited something in you that is growing into something that will bear much fruit. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, this morning, we hear your word to us about a farmer who plants seeds. Sometimes I even wonder, is scattering seeds planting? And I think there probably is time for that. But it seems so unintentional. But God, I know that in the midst of everything that we don't understand, you are still at work. So God, I pray for the people who are in this room, who are online, who are going to be listening this later this week. God, I pray that you would help us recognize what you are up to, that you would help us catch glimpses of God because we're looking for him. God, I pray that you would help remove the kind of debris from our lives that clutters our time and space to be able to notice you. God, I pray that you would turn over the soil of our life to make us receptive and ready for what you want to do in our lives. Dear Lord, I pray that you would be the farmer and we would be the soil. And Lord, I pray that you would also help us go from this place in just a few moments and bear fruit, your fruit. In your holy name, amen. Church, um, go be that fertile soil in which God is up to something. And may we see fruit in you. Not because you're really cool, although you are. No, because God is cool. And God is God. So this week, as you are blessed by the realizations and the glimpses of God, may you also be a blessing to those you come in contact with. Until we meet again. May that be our life. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.